What's going on, church? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing great? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us. Can you help me welcome our Parkland location and everybody that's watching online? Man, we're so glad to have you guys with us today. I'm over here at our Lighthouse Point location, and we are in week three of a series that we're calling Built to Last. And the idea behind this series is that how do we build our life this year a little bit differently than maybe how we've built it in the past where we've set goals and added all these ideas? Like how do we actually build our life on some foundations that will help us build a life that will last beyond maybe the first 60, 90 days of this year, but will actually help us build a life that will last? And, and so I want to begin today by asking you a question, and the question is this. How many of you guys know that change is inevitable? Come on, change is inevitable. Come on, we're a church that talks back here, so I'm going to need you guys to respond. How many of you guys know that change is inevitable? Yeah, yeah, okay. Everybody in Parkland, I want to hear you as well. I want to hear you all the way in Lighthouse Point. So change is inevitable. If there's one consistency that is out there in life, it's this idea that change and life, like, go together. In fact, you have to change to keep moving forward in life. And, and what I've learned about life is that we have a tendency to celebrate change. Like, I remember as a parent when, when, when our, our foster son, Alexander, was, was at the point where he was crawling and he made the transition to walking. Like, in that moment, we took videos of it. We, we, we sent it out to every family member. We're like, oh my gosh, Alexander's walking. We put it on social media. Like, we celebrated like crazy because a major change had happened in our life. Why? Because we celebrate change. Like, we celebrate your birthday. Hopefully, you had a good family that when you had, you turned another age, your family threw a party for you. Why? Because we celebrate change. When you graduate high school or when you graduate college, there, there are things that take place there that we celebrate the change. When, when we finally get the kids off the payroll and out of the house, we celebrate change. Come on, parents, where are you at? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing day from what I'm told. And so, so we celebrate change, but here is the deal. We know that change is inevitable in life, but the truth is, if you don't change, what happens is, is you stop growing. And when you stop growing, you stop moving forward in life. And so when you don't change, what ends up happening is you end up staying stuck. And, and I think that all of us know this intuitively in our minds. Like we see this in the business world. If you don't change, you go out of business. Hello, Blockbuster, right? Like we, we, all, we all saw that. They didn't change. They didn't adapt. And they're no longer here. And, and so we, we have to change. Listen, Churches change. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but Christians should be the people that are most about change. And the reason we should be most about change is because when we accept Jesus into our heart, it's all about Jesus totally changing and transforming our lives. And so the entire message of the gospel is, is let God change you to look more and more like him. But, but a lot of times we press against that and we, we're like, man, I don't really want to change. But the church has got to change. Listen, the message of the gospel never changes, but the methodology continuously does. 
And so, so as a church, we're continuing to change. If you would have asked us two years ago, who were you? We were one church in Parkland. Today, we're one church in Parkland, in Lighthouse Point, online. Like, a lot has changed. And if you're new to being a part of Coastal, I want you to know there is one consistent theme that will constantly be about our church. And that's we are going to be changing. Why? Because the gospel calls for it, people matter, and we're going to do anything short of sin to make sure that every man, woman, and child has multiple opportunities to hear the life-giving message of Jesus, and so we'll change to make that happen. So, so here's what I know, is we like change, but we like change on our terms. Like, when change is on our terms, it's good. But when change is not on our terms, we are not big fans of that. Like, we love changing the job when we choose to quit the job and go get the new job. We don't like the change when they fire us from that job. Come on, somebody. Like, we're like, I'm not about that change right there. Like, we like getting the new hobby or, or trying that new thing when it's our decision to go get involved in that. But when somebody else is forcing that upon us, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Why? Because we like change when it's our choice. But but we don't like change when it's not our choice. And now because of that, we have a tendency to be resistant to change. And, and when change happens in our life, it can have a tendency to throw us a little bit off balance in life. And, and this is what has happened, I believe, over the last 20 months for a lot of people and, and what has happened is, is change has taken place rapidly in a very, very short period of time. And what that change has done for a lot of us is it has destabilized us and has caused us to look at everything as where, like, what is going to shake next in our life and so so a lot of us what has happened is, is we have gotten stuck and we want to move forward we want to take a step but we're like i'm not sure that that footing is very solid i'm not sure that that footing is going to not move on me and so what we do is we stay in our comfortable positions because we know that this is safe, we know that this is stable, we know that this ground is not going to move forward. And here's what I know, for many of us, we are not moving forward. And let's be honest, some of us right now, we're stuck. And we know we need to move forward. But the instability of life is causing us just to stay in a pattern that we've been in for a long time. And I've been reading this book on change. It's by this modern-day philosopher. And uh, in, right in the very beginning of the book, he, he gives this great illustration that I'm going to use today. Thank you, Jerry, for, for building this for me. And he gives this illustration of a wheel, and he says... He says what, what happens for a lot of us is that, that life is, is a lot like a wheel. The, the further out you get to the rim of the wheel, like the further you, you get out here in life, and when life begins to spin, the more exponential the spin feels, 
the more chaotic the spin feels, the more out of control the spin feels. And he says, honestly, uh, what, what's happened is, is a lot of us are living life out here, and the goal is not to live life out here. The goal is to find a way to make our lives centered, because when you're in the center, there's a spoke that while the wheel may be spinning, the center is not. And so, so I've got a little illustration here today. I, I, I've, got, I've got Mickey Mouse because this is the only thing I had in my house. we got a four-year-old. And so I, I've got a little Mickey Mouse figure that is going to represent us. And, and what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to tape him to the outside of this wheel right here. And uh, yeah, some of y'all are like, this, that, that really does feel like life. And, and so what happens is, is, is <laughs> come on, let's be honest. Some of y'all feel like you're taped to the outside of the wheel right now. It's like, somebody please untape me. Like, that is not a cool experiment. And, and so what happens is, is, is life begins to spin, right? And you go down and you come around and you're like, somebody please get me off of the Ferris wheel. Somebody please take me off of the merry-go-round, right? And, 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 and we're just spinning around and, it's, and, it, and this is life right now. It's like, oh, here comes a virus. We're spinning. Oh, oh my goodness, the economy is not doing well. Oh my goodness, inflation is going up high. Oh my goodness, gas is about $6 a gallon. Oh my goodness, I got COVID. I'm quarantined now. I, somebody I know got COVID and I'm quarantined again. I've been quarantined for the last 24 months. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's like we're spending, this is real life right now, isn't it? Like this is the reality of our life in this moment. And sometimes it's spinning slow like this, and then other times it's, it's just flying around. You're like, oh my goodness, it's like the centrifugal force of it. And it seems like every headline steals my joy, every news report robs me of peace. Every conversation I have is somebody that's angry and upset with some action I took. Every news report throws me into a frenzy every text message come on real life here and so now you're like man no news is good news like if 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 i never encounter anybody else like it would be awesome because it feels like life is just in this cycle of spinning and spinning and spinning and a lot of us are like, man, I just, when, when the spinning stops, then I'll move forward. And you're praying to God and you're going, God, make the spinning stop. Make the chaos stop. Make the craziness of people stop. And honestly, as your pastor, I would be lying to you if I said that I actually think God is going to make the craziness of this world stop. So the goal is to not make the wheel stop. The goal is actually for you to begin to not live life on the outer rim, but to find ways to make it to the center of the wheel because while the wheel may never stop and the wheel keeps spinning it doesn't mean that you have to like just because everything is chaotic doesn't mean you have to live in chaos just because everything is disrupted does not mean that your soul has got to be disrupted 
And for some of you, you've been spending for a long time, and the Bible tells us that we may be in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world. Like, there is something different about our lives, and there is a way that you can walk through this world, and you can experience peace. Like, there is a way that you can, you can navigate this life, and you can have a foundation that is solid, a foundation that is, is unmovable, and, and no matter how much the winds of life blow, no matter how much the storms of life come, you don't have to be shaken or spinning. Can I just say something to you? If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be something different about you. In the posts that I've seen, and the reactions that I've watched, it doesn't seem very different. And I think it's because we've been living on the outside of the wheel. And we've been letting every spin We've been letting every headline, we've been letting every opinion throw us off and out of control in life. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give you the key to living a grounded life. Not like that. <laughs> I want to give you the key to living a grounded life and, and, and a centered life. And honestly, it's been a stabilizing force in my life. And when I, when I tell it to you, you're going to go, oh, that, 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 that sounds so simple, TJ. That, that just, I don't really know if that's true. I'm just telling you, it is the thing that will sustain you. It's, it's, it's where you can have chaos and change all around you, but the chaos and the change does not get inside of you. And that is the goal for all of us here today. So here's what I want to propose to you. Here is, is my goal for today, that the Word of God, the Bible, is not just a good collection of stories, but it is worthy of you building the entirety of your life upon. Like, let me, let me repeat that. Like, the Bible isn't just a collection of good stories. While the stories in here are fascinating, it isn't just a, a book full of good quotes that you can write down somewhere. It isn't just Instagrammable moments. It isn't just a, a, a place that you can have a verse on a coffee mug. It isn't just designed so that you can write some things in a picture frame and hang it up on your wall. The Bible is actually worthy of completely constructing the totality of the your life around what it actually says and so so my goal is that you would understand that today and I love the way that the message version says this in Matthew chapter 7 it says these words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life it's it, what it's saying is is the Bible isn't a good luck charm it's not a rabbit's foot for your life or homeowner improvements to your standard of living like it's saying it's not just five ways to have a better life or it's not just some pop psychology to mess with your mind and I love pop psychology but that's not what it is it says they are foundational words everybody shout foundational, foundational. come on shout foundational. foundational that's better they are foundational words to build a life on. And this next part is, is so critical. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Because I'm just telling you, church, the winds of life are coming. 
The storms of life is coming. The rain is coming. And if you build your life around the ideologies of the day and the cultural norms of the day, if you build it on anything else besides the word of God, when the storms come and the winds blow, your house, your life will crumble. Your joy will be gone. Your peace will be robbed. Your anxiety will overwhelm you. You'll need something to wake you up in the morning, and you'll need something to put you to sleep at night. No wonder suicide hotline calls are through the roof right now. No wonder divorce is through the roof right now. No wonder uh, uh, that the, the prescription medications are through the roof right now. No wonder alcohol sales right now are at are an all-time high in the industry because for the last 20 months, the wheel has been spinning and it's been spinning out of control. And so many of us had built a foundation on something that was soft. But I'm telling you, there's something worth building your life upon and that thing is the word of God. And I want you to be a smart carpenter church. So I want to give you three thoughts here today on how you can build your life on something solid that would help you build your life on something that will be built to last. So why don't you guys go ahead and grab those worship gods that are on your seat. Get ready to take some notes. If you're not going to take some notes, go ahead and grab those worship gods and get ready to take some notes. Number one is this, I must accept its authority. If I'm going to build a life that is built to last, I've got to accept its authority. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, and we also thank God continually because when we heard, when we received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human words, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at, indeed at work in those who believe. It's at work in those who believe. In other words, the word doesn't work unless you work the word. And some of you are like, well, the Bible doesn't work for me. No, no, no. It works for those who actually believe. So in order for you to believe the word, you actually have to allow it to be an authority in your life. And you've got to realize that it is authoritative for you. In other words, you have to make a conscious decision in your mind that this is going to be the preeminent Number one thing in my life, that God's word is my authority, not popular ideologies, not, not, I'm not going to mix a little bit of this, I'm not going to mix a little bit of that, and I'm a little bit of the Bible, that's not how it works, I'm not going to mix what CNN says, I'm not going to mix what MSNBC says, I'm not going to mix what Fox News says, I'm not going to mix what, what modern philosophy says, and a little bit of God's word. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that, that God's word's got to be the ultimate in your life. It's got to be the authority. It's got to be the thing that we filter every conversation, every thought, every, everything that goes through our mind has to be filtered through the Word of God. And so when something comes in, we go, how does this line up with what God says about it? How does this line up with how the Word of God looks at it? And so that means that I'm not looking at my Facebook feed to go, hey, what is, what is the popular opinion of the day? I'm not running to the queen, Oprah herself, and going, what does Oprah say about this? I'm not even looking at, at my principals or students, my, my teachers, and what they think about it. No, no, no. What does the word of God say in my life? Because if the word, if it isn't lining up with the word, 
it just isn't right. I don't know if you know this, but we're a word, we're a spirit, and we're a faith church. We believe in the word of God. We want the spirit of God moving in our life. And we believe that we have to take steps of faith based on what God has said. And so what that means is is that, that I don't go and bend the word of God to fit my life. I bend my life to fit God's word. Like, I don't, I don't try to bring God's word down to my level in life. What that means is that I rise to the level that God's word sets for my life. So when the word tells me to forgive others, even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't like it, you know what I do? I forgive them. When the word tells me to be generous and I feel greedy or I feel stingy or I don't have enough, you know what I do? I'm generous. When the word tells me to serve other people and I don't, I don't feel like doing that, I, I, I want somebody to serve me, you know what I do? I serve others. Well, pastor, I don't like what the word says. Me neither. Come on, let's be honest. But if your God never confronts you, you may have created a God in your very own image. Listen, church, you should open this book And sometimes it should bother you. Why? Because none of us have reached perfection. Like, none of us uh, have arrived yet. Like, I open this book sometimes and I'm like, Woo, son, next chapter, please. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm not saying that I get it right all the time, but I'm just saying, like, man, I'm not asking it to conform to me. I'm not asking the word of God to come down to my whims. I'm going with the power of the Holy Spirit and with some effort on my part, I'm going to raise to the standard that God has set for me. And I'm saying God's word is an authority in my life and above everything, I filter everything through the word. Because it's authoritative, it's not an option. Because the word of God isn't collecting dust on some shelf. In my home, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, a prop on my coffee table. It is the living, breathing word of God. It is spirit and it is truth. It is God's instruction manual to me. It's his love letter to me. And, and it's telling me, man, that it's got to be an authority in my life. And it's, and it's foundational if I don't want to be shaken in life. And so if you don't want to be shaken in life, man, you've got to make the word of God an authority in your life. So as Paul came to the church in Thessalonica, I come to the church in South Florida and say, don't receive these words from men, but because they are the very word of God. So the starting point is that it's got to be our authority. Number two is this, is I must assimilate its truths. I must assimilate its truths. So how do I do that? Like, how do I make that a part of my life? I have a couple of things that I think are really simple and practical for you. The first one is this, here's how you assimilate God's truth. By listening to God's word. By listening to God's word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, 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 so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you want to increase your faith? If you feel like you have little faith, what you have to do is you have to get the word of God in your ears. It will increase your faith because the word of God, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing the word of God. That's why it's so important that we tell you, be at church every single week. Get into a connect group. Why? Because you're going to get into a place where you're hearing the word of God on a consistent basis. And what it's doing is it's building faith in your life, even if you don't recognize it. Like, it's important for you to be exposed to that. It isn't like we just come here and we, we give you some coffee on the way in. You come inside. We sing two songs. Somebody gets up, gives an announcement and a welcome. They sing some more songs. Then a bald guy who's really good looking gets up and preaches an average message. And then, and then we have a prayer at the end. And then that's the end of it. No, no, no. We are building your faith here in this room every time you come in. And in my job as a shepherd, which is the role the Bible calls me to, is to help sheep, which is how the Bible describes people, to bring them to different pastures so they can grace. And so right now we're in the pasture of built to last. Next month we'll be in a different pasture. And then the month after that we'll be in a different pasture. And every pasture is equipping you in areas where maybe I see that your faith is weak, that God has revealed to me, so that your faith can be built up. But it comes by listening to the Word of God. That's why Luke chapter 8, verse 18 Jesus says it like this, therefore consider carefully how you listen. I don't know if you have anybody in your life that is an active listener, but, but I have my assistant, her name is Melissa, and she is the most active listener on the planet. Like we'll, we'll go and have a meeting, and there'll be a couple of us there, and we're eating, and we're having conversations, and here's what happens. I, because I, I'm a multitasker, I'm eating, I'm having a conversation, I'm the first person to finish my food. But Melissa, because she's an active listener, she can do no other task when somebody is talking besides listening. So what that means is when we get done with the meeting, Melissa has taken two bites of food. Because she's an active listener. She is so, every person that's talking, her full attention is getting on them. She wants to take in every single word. She wants to consume every single word. And what we need to become, church, is active listeners of God's word. Because it's building faith in our lives. And it's how we assimilate. We also assimilate it by reading God's word. By reading God's word. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 it says this. And Jesus answered. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. But on every word. That comes from the mouth of God. He says it is written. Which means that. Jesus had read the Bible. Like he's referring to the first five books. Of the Old Testament. So the question is, is if the Son of God, who was perfect, came down to this earth and thought it was important for him to live a life of perfection by consuming God's word and reading it himself, what do you think us fallen, broken, messed up people should be doing if we're trying to fix our lives and perfect it? We should be reading God's word. Why? Because we can't live on bread alone. Some of y'all are living on bread alone, and, and it, you can tell. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. It's like if we only ate one meal a day or one meal a week, none of us would survive in life. But that's what a lot of us do. It's why a lot of us, we come to church and we feel like we're filled up, but then it gets to Wednesday and we feel empty again. Why? Because we're trying to live on one meal alone. Listen, it's not even Wednesday. It gets to Monday morning. You feel empty already. For some of y'all, it's Sunday right after church when you put your kids in the car. You're like, where did all that go? Right? 
Because just like our body can't live on one meal, you know what? Our soul and our spirit can't live on one meal a week. Like, you have got to read the Word. And here's what I've lear learned about God's Word. As you read His Word, it begins to read you. It begins to change you. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active. Like this book that we're talking about, it's alive. It's not, it's not an old book of ancient stories. It's literally alive. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So while we're reading it, what it's doing is it's getting inside of us and it's beginning to read us. It's beginning to point out some things that are inside of our heart, inside of our mind, inside of our life that God is trying to change and transform, and so we have to assimilate it in life. And listen, it's right at your fingertips. Every single one of us in this room, I'm gonna assume, has a smartphone. You can download the YouVersion Bible app, and every single day, I would encourage you to get on a one-year Bible plan and start reading God's Word every day. Listen, if, if you don't have that, go out and buy a one-year Bible. Read through God's Word and watch how it transforms your life as you put it in there. And listen, I know some of y'all are going to be like, Pastor, I started reading it, and I got to so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and it's so boring. I know, just keep pressing through. There are things in there that you need to have a life that's built to last. It's okay. So we, we've got to listen to God's Word. We've got to read God's Word. We've also got to retain God's Word. You've got to retain God's word. Psalm 119, David's speaking here. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think we have to make memorizing God's word a part of our life. There's something about memorizing the word that it takes it from the page and it begins to impart it into your soul. And I can't explain it. I don't have a chapter and a verse for it. But when you assimilate God's word in your life and you face something or you go through something that is overwhelming, listen, you don't even need a copy of this book because this book is inside of you. It's inside of you. And I can't tell you how many times in life I've been going through a situation or I've been going through a circumstance where all of a sudden I'm in the middle of it and something comes out of my soul that reminds me of the goodness of God. I can't tell you how many times I've been preaching a message and I, I've got everything mapped out and something comes up in the middle of that message that comes from nowhere it seems like, but it's actually God reminding me of things that he's already said to me. It's why I need to know that, that, that there is no weapon that's formed against me that shall prosper. I need to know that, that I can cast all of my cares on Jesus because he cares for me. I need to know when I'm going through hell that, that, that God has a purpose and a plan for my life, a plan to prosper me and not to harm me, a plan to give me a hope and a future. I need to know in those moments that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I need the word inside of me so when the world is pushing on me, what gets squeezed out is God himself. I need it, and you need it. I need it because I'm a pastor. I need it because I'm a husband. I need it because I'm a father. I need it because I'm a friend. I need it because I'm a leader. I need it because I'm a Christian. I need it because I'm a human, and you need it too. We need it in our life. It's a critical thing. Why? Because not a single one of us are exempt from the spin. We're not exempt from it. And sometimes when it feels like it's spinning more and more, it feels like the target is even bigger on our 
life. And you are too important. And your purpose is too important. And your future is too important. There's too much at stake and there's too much to do. And here's what the Word of God will do, is it will ground you when life is spinning. But it's only if you're, you're actually working this thing. So it's got to be an authority in our life. We've got to make a decision above every other voice that is out there in this world. I'm going to let the Word of God be the ultimate voice in my life because it's an authority in my life and I'm going to assimilate this in my life and I'm going to listen to the word and I'm going to read the word and, and, and I'm going to retain the word and then finally number three is I must apply its principles I must apply its principles James 1.22 says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says do what it says. Here's what I think the scripture is trying to teach us. You can be deceived in life when you have a whole lot of head knowledge of the word of God, but no practical life application of the word of God. Just because I know a lot of the Bible, and I do, doesn't equate to me actually living the Bible, which is the entire point of all this. This is why some of the nastiest people you've ever met are church people. Just being honest. Why? Because you could have gone through 12,000 Bible studies, but that doesn't mean you're actually applying those studies that you were in. Listen, you can know Beth Moore's social security number and not be applying the Bible in life. So the Bible says, listen, don't be deceived just because you know a lot and you think you're good. No, you, you, you actually have to live this out. So what does that mean for us? It means like, I've got to love my neighbor. It means I have to forgive those who hurt me. It means that I've got to care for the less fortunate that are out there. It means that I've got to get out of my comfort zone and get beyond myself when I don't feel like it and serve other people? Like it means that I actually have to do something. Not just know something, but actually do it. I thought about it like this. Actually, my wife helped me thinking about it like this. Thank you, Shayla. <laughs> Our wife's great. Sometimes I feel like she's the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't know why, but it's just a lot of conviction there. It'd be like, think about the coolest car you could possibly think about being in your garage and it's yours. Like I was thinking about it, I was thinking like, probably like a Mercedes-Benz, G63 AMG, G-Wagon, murdered out, black, Maybe like a matte black wrap on it with some 24s, maybe a killer system in it, some like Napa leather on the inside, black tan leather on the inside. I mean, just sweet. 
murdered out windows, I, I just like an amazing vehicle, in, in my opinion, and you, that might not be your opinion, but it's my opinion, okay? And that's the only one that counts right now because I got the microphone. So, like, <laughs> and so I could know everything about that vehicle. I could know, like, the horsepower of the engine. I could know the size of the rims. I could know, I could know the, where that leather was, was, was actually, like, what kind of cows that came from. I could give you all the details of that car. I could talk about how amazing, like I could have all the knowledge in the world about that car, but how many of y'all know that that car does no good if it just sits in my garage all day long? Because the purpose of the car isn't to have all the facts and information. The purpose of the car is to get in it and drive from A to B. It's to take you somewhere in life. And the purpose of God's Word is not just to fill up our minds with a whole bunch of information, but it's actually to change our heart and to change our lifestyle so we actually start living out what God has for our life, so we can stop spinning out here and we can get centered right here. And so we've got to apply its principles. We've got to accept its authority. We've got to say, God, you're going to be the ultimate voice in my life. You're going to be my number one. We've got to, we've got to assimilate the Word of God into our life by listening and by reading by retaining it and then not only do we need to have that knowledge but we need to start walking those things out that we've learned by applying it in life and I just want to end here today by giving you a challenge real practical challenge and here's my challenge for you church everybody that's watching online everybody that's sitting in Parkland right now for the next year one year because here's what I know a lot of you you want this year to be different the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results a lot of us have been spinning for a long time let's go with a different plan so here's the plan give God 25 minutes every day for the next 365 days a year and here's what I want you to do in that 25 minutes I want you to spend five minutes in prayer Every day, five minutes of prayer. And listen, that's not that hard because most of us have prayer requests that would far outlast five minutes. We can spend five minutes going, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. Whatever that looks like for you. And then I would ask you to spend five minutes in worship. Well, why do I need to worship? Because there's something about worship that changes the atmosphere of your heart. Because you spend all this time complaining to God about all these problems you have. So you've made your problems really big in your life. What worship does is it starts to change the narrative in your life. Instead of worshiping your problems, you're worshiping your God. And all of a sudden, your God becomes big and your problems become small. And it changes the atmosphere of what's going on inside of here. It prepares your heart. It's why we sing every weekend before we hear the message. And then here's my challenge for you. And here will be the tough one for a lot of you is spend 10 to 15 minutes reading God's Word. Get on a one-year Bible reading plan. Do, do, do this. I, I just make it a priority. And, 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 and here's what I'll tell you. I had a gentleman that came to me last Saturday night at a, at a Parkland service afterwards. He walked up to me and he said, TJ, I took, I took the challenge of reading the Bible this year. I'm six days in. And in six days, it's radically transformed my life. I was like, really? And his wife runs over and she goes, yes, he is different. He's more loving. He's more kind. He's more generous. He's treating our kids better. I'm like, in six days? She's like, yes, in six days. I promise you, you start getting in God's word, it's going to change you. And here's, here's, here's the bet. If you do this for 365 days, 
You read God's word every day for 10 to 15 minutes. You pray for five minutes. You, you spend five minutes in worship. At the end of that, if you're not closer to God, if this hasn't become your best year ever because it was your best year spiritually, here's what I'll let you do. I'll let you come up on stage right here. I will let you punch me in the face because I just think that that would be funny. And I will hand you the microphone and you can tell everybody that we're selling a load of baloney. But here's what I know. That will never happen. Because if you do that in one year, here's what will happen. You'll be sending me an email. You'll be, you'll be shooting a video about how God transformed your life, how God restored your marriage, how God healed that brokenness that's inside of you, how God has restored that relationship, how unforgiveness has been rid from your heart, how you've experienced the power and the presence of God in your life every single day, and you'll never be the same. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he always moves and he always works, and just like he did it for that guy in six days, he'll do the same thing in your life because he's no respecter of persons. And so church, that's my challenge. Are you up for a challenge? Do you want this year to be different? Do you want to continue to spin in the cycle of life? Or do you want to finally get centered and build your life on something that will last? And what that is, is that's a foundation built on God's word. We, every location, will you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We never like to end any service without giving people an opportunity to receive the greatest gift that there is, and that's the gift of Jesus. The great story of the Bible is that God doesn't want for any man to not be redeemed, to not know that our sins are forgiven, and to know that we can have peace with God and a relationship with our Creator. And Jesus came and He died a, a death, a sinner's death, a death that every single one of us deserves for the mistakes and the past that we have. And He rose again three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave so that we could experience life in life everlasting, a life of perfection. And He offers us this incredible gift of salvation, new beginnings, a fresh start. And I want you to know no matter where you are, whether you're watching online or you're right there in Parkland or right here in Lighthouse Point, you can have that today. And it's not on my authority that I'm saying it, but it's actually the authority of the Word of God that we receive, that the Bible says that we, we, if we will confess with our mouth, that Jesus was raised from the dead and will believe in our heart that we can experience this free gift, the forgiveness of our sins. And let's be honest, all of us have got some mistakes. We've got a past. We've got some brokenness. Like we can look at humanity and know that we've all screwed up. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Like that's, that's the cost. That's, that's the recourse of our sin but the gift of God it continues to say is eternal life life everlasting a reconnection with God a forgiveness and maybe you're out there today and you need to receive that in your life you're not here by accident you're here on purpose God's been drawing you in for a long time so you can experience all that he has for you and it begins with a simple act of faith of you just saying God I surrender So no matter where you're at with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, today I need to receive that gift for the first time or the first time in a long time and be reconnected with my Creator. If on the count of three, you just slip your hand up in the air with nobody looking. One, two, 
three, go ahead and slip that hand up. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Two, three, four, five. Yes, I see you. Six back there in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, it's a simple yet significant prayer. Say, God, thank you for loving me so much that in the middle of my mess, you would send your one and only son to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve. God, forgive me of my past. Heal me in my present and give me a hope and a future for tomorrow. God, I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Take over my life. Don't just be my Savior. Be my Lord. Lead God and direct me all the days of my life and fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness. Help me to build my life on a firm foundation where you are my solid rock. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.